You're about to enter the most electrifying NFL talk show you have ever experienced. From up-to-the-minute news and notes to... Uh, who am I kidding? It's a wrap. Let's try this again. It's the After Further Review Podcast with Connor Forrest. Want to get involved? Send us an email to mailbag at connorforrest.com. For your questions to be read on air. you to rank in your in your mind i think football for the both of us is the one seed i want you to rank your top three playoff sports okay i'm gonna go football number one yep hockey two and or not nba mlb three ah interesting I, i thought you i thought you were gonna go nba there no you know why i go mlb is because Fewer teams are allowed in the playoffs, whereas mm-hmm. the NBA now has 10 teams in the playoffs. They do a little weird play-in tournament. Yeah. In my opinion, the playoffs should be tough to get into, so I think there should be fewer teams actually allowed in the playoffs, which I think the MLD does really well, although I do think they're expanding one more per league next year. Uh, but as of now, it is five teams per league, so American League gets five, National League gets five. Yeah. And I just think I think that's the way to go. I mean, yeah. people debate the wild card game, but I, I like limited amount of teams, make it really hard, great teams only get in. Uh, but you know NFL, nothing, nothing can be the NFL playoffs. Anything can happen. Yeah, it's just it's the most fun because really, other than you know, we say every year like wild card weekend, you always have two teams in there and a minimum that just don't belong. Right in 2020, it was it was the, the Washington football team at the time. Um, you know, I, I feel like the Eagles in the last few years have always snuck into the playoffs and, and they just don't belong at all. Um, there seems to be teams that kind of just slither their way in there. But for the most part, the, the uh, you know, the NFL is, I think it's as competitive a playoff bracket as, as, as there is out there. The NBA is just not, to be honest with you. So I, mm-hmm. I would probably have to agree with your rankings. Although the NBA playoffs, I mean, I don't know. I've, I've soured on the NBA in recent years. I, I think it's become infinitely hard to watch at times, just the way that it's structured. And, and I just, I think the fact that the NBA offseason seems to be what everyone wants to talk about. And then by the time the regular season starts, I just don't think anyone really necessarily cares until the playoffs start up again. Um, and there's just always four or three or four teams that everybody's plugged in on. And the rest is just kind of like, well, whatever. Um, I think it's become a little bit easier to kind of, I don't know. I think in the la- last year, you know, when the Bucks went all the way and, and Giannis is just a star and uh, Nikola Jokic is, is, is just a stud. And, and uh, I don't know. I, I think there are some, some, some really likable figures coming up in the NBA that are, that are fun and easy to cheer for. I don't know. The NBA has just been a little difficult for me to watch, but I'd have to agree with that ranking. I mean, the MLB playoffs are just a ton of fun, but the Capitals tonight, my Washington Capitals, play the Florida Panthers the one seed I think the best team in hockey really hands down the last especially the last month of the of uh, the regular season 
But uh, they, they got him on the ropes there, Shawnee. They like do two one lead. Yeah, they have him on the ropes. And, and to be honest with you, I think the Caps have, have just outplayed the Panthers for the better part of this uh, this series altogether. I think game two. The second period, the Caps gave up, I think, three or four goals. They just kind of had a meltdown period there. But for the most part, they've really been buttoned up. And they've done it without Tom Wilson. And they've done it with a little bit of uh, uncertainty between the pipes of the goalie position. But, man, oh, man, so many, so many. Uh, I'm, I'm just, I just, I love the NHL playoffs. And I, and I love that the Caps have just been perennially involved in the playoffs. Obviously, we had the Cup run in 18. But, um, gosh, watching my Caps succeed is just one of my favorite things ever. But uh, plenty of things going on. Your Bruins are... They 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 uh, they're mounting a little bit of a resurgence against. Is it the Hurricanes they're playing? Correct. They're playing the Hurricanes. Yep, we lost the first two down in Raleigh, and then we won the next two up in Boston. Uh, all the wins, regardless of who have who has won, have all been statement wins. Like there yeah. has not been a close game. It's either been we're going to blow you out or we're going to get blown out. Uh, so it's actually funny the two games in Raleigh. I actually turned off the game two. It was so bad in the first period. And then I went and I went to shave my uh, beard, which I'm, you know, quotes right here, beard. I don't really have much of a beard. But you, <laughs> you as a hockey fan, you grow, try to grow a beard sure. throughout the playoffs. So I was doing that. And I was like, all right, they're not going to, they have no chance. So I shaved. And you know what? We're 2-0 and since I shaved. So maybe a little bit of reverse there playoff go. superstition going on here with the whole beard thing. Look at you uh, go. Now, do you have a beard right now? Are you, are you growing yours out for the caps or you do you not do that? Funny enough, actually, Johnny, I do right now. And it's 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 not of anything other than just being lazy. Like, I'm just, I'm no. just, being <laughs> like, just completely lazy. There's really no great story behind it. I, I look awful. Um, I look in the mirror every morning, and like I said, I want to start my wife and go fund me. I don't know why she married me. Um, I look terrible. Well, you know what? It's working for the cap, so I'd keep it. You know what? I might just have to. I might just have to. The yeah, one blade might yeah. have to just stay in the uh, in the uh, in the cabinet there for another few days. Um, so we'll see. But uh, yeah, NHL playoffs in full swing. Um, Shawnee, maybe we need to have an after further review NHL talk podcast, and um, we'll just talk about the Capitals and Bruins all day and, and forget everybody we else. Might. Um, so that, that's what we'll do. But uh, welcome back, everybody. After further review returns, Shawnee Olette, my executive producer, live in Arlington, Virginia. Shawnee boy, how the hell are you, buddy? I'm doing well, man. Fantastic. So we have a um, bunch to get to today. Um, we'll give you a little rundown of the show, and we'll dive right into it. The NFL draft is coming gone. We're going to dive into some takeaways from the NFL draft. Um, we have some news and notes to get into, just a some, some, uh, couple things. Um, news related from the National Football League. Uh, Ryan Tannehill's had some comments that I want to talk to you about, Shawnee. Um, he, he spoke about Malik Willis um, and kind of his relationship, and I definitely want to have a discussion about that. Um, and then Chris Ballard had something to say that uh, I think might just have some Commanders fans believing in Carson Wentz a little bit more. Maybe. I don't know. Um, but uh, we'll get into that as well. As always, after further review, sponsored by Anchor FM. Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. Download the free Anchor FM app. Let them know that Connor from After Further Review sent you. Um, Shawnee, am I missing anything? Is there anything else that you want to add to that? No, I think we'll go through just some general news and notes right now. If you want to just uh, look through NFL.com. I'm going to start with the international series has been announced for the NFL. Uh, This was announced, I believe, early last week. We have the full schedule coming out on Thursday. I believe, Connor, you and I are going to do an episode on Thursday with the schedule release. We did uh, did that last year. As it was being released, we talked about games we were looking forward to. We were able to see what dates they were in. Uh, we Obviously, we know the matchups, NFL matchups are known for a while. 
uh, but we don't know the specific dates or the times or what network uh, games are going to be on. So that's really fun to talk about. Right. But the NFL, like I said, did release the international series. There's a total of five games. First one is October 2nd, which I would think is probably week f- three or four, Connor. Yep, that probably sounds about four. right. Yeah, about, about right. Um, and that's going to be the Vikings heading to uh, London to take on the New Orleans Saints. Uh, so that'll be 9.30 Eastern time on NFL Network, which is like, what, 2.30 in the afternoon out in London. Uh, the next one after that is a week after that uh, game plays, and that's the Giants and the Packers, also in London. Uh, once again, 9.30 a.m. Eastern time, October 9th. And then Wembley Stadium in London, 9.30 a.m. Eastern time on October 30th, the Denver Broncos will play the Jacksonville Jaguars. Here's a new one, Connor. The NFL is going to Germany on mm. November 13th. Tom Brady will be hosting, hosting in quotes. He's the designated home team, but they'll be playing the Seattle Seahawks uh, from Munich, Germany. How about that? And then the game down in Mexico City is the San Francisco 49ers and the Arizona Cardinals. I find this one a little weird, Connor, just because it's a divisional matchup. You've got to be thinking since the Cardinals are the designated home team, but it's technically really not a home game for them. They've got to, I don't know how they're feeling about this because they still have to go to San Francisco to play the 49ers and the 49ers never have to go to Arizona, go to Phoenix to play the Cardinals. They just, they, they get a neutral site game. I don't know how the Cardinals feel about that. That'll be interesting if anything comes out. Uh, but that one is on November 21st yeah. at eight fifteen Eastern time on ESPN. Another really cool thing about the Mexico city games. A lot of people don't know this. Uh, Mexico city is about half a mile higher in elevation than Denver. And we all know Denver That's is a amazing. really, really fun place to watch field goal kickers kick. Uh, so definitely watch this game. Uh, th- this is one where we could easily see some 60-plus-yard field goals uh, if that is needed in the game. So that is the NFL slate uh, for the international games. The one thing, I also Shani, think, the, uh, Go ahead, yeah. Yeah, the one thing I, I, I want to add to that, that's there's a couple things with the international series that, that I enjoy that also drive me nuts a little bit. Um, first of all, I find it hilarious that the Buccaneers and Seahawks, which – I know Russell Wilson's out of Seattle. That's still a pretty fun, compelling matchup. I find it hilarious that Munich gets that, and London has just done nothing but seeing the Jaguars just drag themselves up and down the field for years <laughs> and years. So London has to be feeling good. The other thing, Shawnee, that drives me crazy about these international games, it's like, why are we kicking off in London at 1? Why are we doing that? Like, why aren't we starting the game at 7 and then having that game broadcast to the U.S.? During the normal one o'clock slate, like the nine you know thirty wake up, I, I I don't like. And then on the east, on, on the west coast, now I know the west coast we, we don't care about because the reality is is that broadcast television is marketed towards the east coast. West coast guys, they gotta wake up at six thirty to watch that game. It's just like you know for for the for the Seahawks to watch their home team, you're up at six thirty. I mean, who wants to do that? I, I I've never understood that. I don't know why they do that. You know, why I think they do it is because they always market it as unlimited football all day sure. so you have the 930 games which you're going to get over around 1230 then you get right up to the one o'clock games then those get over it's the four o'clock games and it's sunday night football so i think that's really how they market it yep. now for us football fans we love it i mean i'm not going to complain about getting up at nine o'clock getting myself some breakfast and then sitting down and watching tom brady play i'm sure. not complaining about that 
Um, but no, I, I do see what you're saying. And the other weird thing is Seattle. And this brings me to another thing that I saw on Facebook, actually. Uh, Seattle, that is a long way to travel for them. Uh, Adam Schefter had something that he put out that said the Seahawks are going to lead the NFL in miles traveled during the 2022 season. Obviously, a big part of that is going to Munich. They're going to be traveling nearly 30,000 miles, 29,446 mm. miles, and hop across, get, get this, 34 time zones over the 17-game slate. Now, that doesn't mean they're going over... 34 individual, but they'll be changing time zones or crossing over and fly over 34 times. Yeah. Now the Steelers, the Steelers, this one's funny. Won't ever leave the Eastern time zone and will only travel 6,442 miles throughout the 2022 (laughs) campaign. So I, I I find that stuff fascinating. Uh, Seattle is obviously a difficult place for any sports team uh, because there's really no other major city in the Pacific Northwest that has other teams. The closest ones are Los Angeles and San San Francisco, and then all the East coast and middle of the country team. So that's really interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, So some things uh, to look forward there in the NFL season. Uh, we also have a news and notes giants release veteran cornerback, James Bradbury after two seasons. Uh, so he will no longer be a cornerback up there in New York. Uh, we have, let's see, Aiden Hutchinson. He has officially signed his deal with the lions. He went number two overall in the draft. It is a $35.7 million rookie contract. That's insane. Uh, let's see. It is a four year deal. Uh, so worth uh, that 37.7. It also includes a twenty three point one million dollar signing bonus. So uh, a lot of money going Aiden Hutchinson's way as uh, he will continue his career where it all started up in Michigan. Uh, anything else, Connor? I, I'm not. I'm not seeing too much. Um, no. do, do you have anything on your end? I think. I think that's uh, that's pretty good for our daily updates. The the one last point that I want to make about the James Bradbury cut that, you know, it always makes me laugh when I see reports of, and this happened with James Bradbury and the Giants, where your reports come out that the Giants will likely cut James Bradbury if they can't find a trade partner, and I always laugh at those because I'm like, wait a second. How is that supposed to compel anybody to trade for him? Like, that's like me saying, <laughs> I am going to put, if I cannot find somebody to give me $500 for my couch, I'm going to put it at the end of my driveway and put a take me sign right on it. It's like, maybe I'll just wait for you to put that couch on the driveway. Don't you think that's a good idea? Um, so I always find that funny. But yeah, James Bradbury, former, you know, second round pick. I mean, the, 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 I, I don't think James Bradbury is, is, is going to be a number one corner anywhere i think he could be a good number two um and i I put out a funny well funny i I just i'm assuming that it's funny it could really not be funny but i put out a poll on twitter you know because washington and ron rivera um they're they're known in this area as the commanders because all we do is sign former panthers uh it's former panthers coaches it's panthers gms it's whatever you want to call it it's just all we do so i put up a poll on my Twitter and I said, James Bradbury is a Washington commander in either a under a day or B under two days. Um, and, uh, 78% of people have voted that under two days, James Bradbury will be a Washington (laughs) commander. So I think he could be a good number two, but definitely, definitely. I think his, his intent of the Giants signing him to be a a number one corner that did not come to fruition, but uh, that, that should be it in terms of news and notes, Johnny. There's actually one more thing that we have talked about on the podcast that I want to bring up. Tyron Matthew, he did not resign with Kansas city. He is heading home to new Orleans 
home state of Louisiana, played at LSU. He will be playing for the Saints. Yep. So a uh, little bit surprising there. I know, Connor, you had him staying in uh, Kansas City. Yeah, he did. But he is yep. heading out. Um, and then also no news on Jimmy Garoppolo yet. No. I, I know it's uh, we're now post-draft, and he is still a 49er. Uh, so we will keep our eyes on that. Yeah. Yep, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. We'll get we'll get into that free agency quarterback market a little bit later because I think that merits a bigger discussion, which I'm which I'm really interested in diving into. But we'll, we'll get into that on a later uh, episode. But Shawnee, I definitely want to get into touching onto the NFL draft and just some takeaways. Um, you know, I know a lot of podcasts, a lot of people go pick by pick and break it down and just bored everybody to death. But, but what I want to do is just kind of give a, a brief overview of kind of the NFL draft. Now we've done the big gigantic draft recaps and the big draft pre, you know. Uh, preparation episodes um but this go around i kind of just want to touch up on things um and and i want to start with and and i'll ask you this question johnny but i want to start with kind of the overview of this draft where i watched all three days Uh, i love the nfl draft and it is it will never it will never not be entertaining i mean one of the more entertaining tv spectacles out there um kind of the overview of this this draft for me was I mean, it was such a surprising draft. I mean, so many things went in, in kind of different directions uh, than, than you would otherwise think. It felt underwhelming to me. Uh, it was unbelievably entertaining, but it was underwhelming to me. Uh, I think this draft was just a weaker draft. I, there weren't very many star names out there that got you really excited. Uh, at number one, I mean, it started Trayvon Walker going. I, I said that he would go number one, and he did. Uh, it just felt like the energy was was there, and I, I felt like there was so much smoke there had to be a flame, and, and that ended up coming to fruition. Trayvon Walker, um, defensive lineman from Georgia, going first overall, and then Aiden Hutchinson, who everyone thought was a perennial number one overall pick, goes goes number two to Detroit, so he stays in in, uh, in Michigan, where he went to school. Um, but I mean, starting at three, where Derek Stingley Jr., a cornerback, um, goes number three. Um, Sauce Gardner falls to number four, which you felt like, hey, is this guy going to be, you know, people thought, hey, this guy could be, this guy could be a number one overall pick. Um, If if Edge wasn't so valued, Ahmad Gardner could have definitely gone number one overall. Who takes a corner one overall anyway? Um, I don't think that's happened ever. Um, But, you know, he goes at four to the Jets, who had a fantastic job. And it just kind of, as you go down the list, it's remarkable as you keep scrolling that you just don't see quarterback. Of all the conversations that we had at quarterback, um, it's amazing that you know we ended up where we ended up. I want to say, uh, Shawnee, I'm going to pat myself so hard on the back because for any of you that listened to our draft preview episode, the one thing I said that I not took heat for, I took heat on Twitter for it, but... I got strong, vehement disagreements from. Um, I mean, we talked about this with, with Walter. I talked about this with Walter and Ian. I said that the Steelers were going to be the first team to take a quarterback, and I was right. And they ended up going with Kenny Pickett. I mean, I think me and Shawnee mm. had that. I think we had that mocked as well. Um, we did, yeah. And so that ended up playing out. But some really interesting selections that kind of – there was a huge run on receiver that happened way earlier than we thought. We thought Drake London could possibly fall to Washington. He went at eight, and then all of a sudden – it was Garrett Wilson and the Saints trading up to 11 with Washington who moved back to take Chris Olave. Like, what in the world? Um, Jamison Williams goes a pick later to the Lions, and um, it just kind of started this this wild draft where all of a sudden where we thought you'd get some great value picks 
you know, where you thought, hey, maybe Jamison Williams falls with his injury, or hey, maybe Garrett Wilson becomes available a little later on. It just didn't happen at all. Like, those guys were snagged up real quick. Um, and then you saw a guy, you know, like here in Washington, John Dotson going at 16, where people thought, wait, this guy's like a late first, maybe second round pick. Um, you thought, hey, this is a great draft for the Packers to snag somebody up um, who falls. And they go with a linebacker uh, because no one was really available. Um, Trent McDuffie falls into the Chiefs lap. So kind of a crazy draft all around. I want to get your kind of immediate reactions, Shawnee. Um, and then I'll, I'll kind of get into, you know, my favorite pick and then my least favorite pick. If you want to do something like that, um, I, I didn't really have anything prepared for this. I kind of just wanted to talk about it. Um, but give me your kind of overview on the draft, like what you thought, things that surprised you, things that didn't surprise you. Like, I'm kind of curious as to as your take on it. Well, I think probably the most surprising thing is the Malik Willis story. Uh, here's somebody that in a lot of people's mock drafts, and I know yours included, Connor, he was going, I think, number five overall to Carolina. Yeah. And he, he ends up going in the third round, pick number 86, to Tennessee, who already has a quarterback. And now that's turning into a story that we're going to get into in just a minute. Right. Uh, with, with some comments that were made by Ryan Tannehill. Um, I know, just talking about my Patriots, uh, Bill Belichick uh, caught a lot of heat for drafting a offensive guard from Chattanooga in the uh, with his first pick, the 29th overall, and that was Cole Strange. Um, you know, a lot of people questioning that move. Uh, New England ended up getting some speed uh, later in the draft. 50th overall, we got Tyquan Thornton, wide receiver out of Baylor, ran the fastest 40 in the uh, combine for a, uh, a wide receiver. And then we got a running back who ran the fastest 40 for a running back in the combine. And that was Pierre Strong Jr. out of South Dakota State, um, which, you know, I, I'm I'm somebody who thinks, and I don't know what your opinion on it, Connor, is, but I, I think speed is always an asset. If you can get fast guys on your team, oh, that, yeah. that is always an asset. That's never going to be a negative thing. Now, I, I don't know. Tyquan Thornton, first time I ever heard of him was when he was drafted. I have no idea how good his hands are. I've seen people say they're not great. I don't know. But it's not a bad thing to have somebody who's really, really fast on your team. I mean, look at Tyreek Hill. Right, like uh, most of his career, we're going to remember him, not just by the catches that he made or the Super Bowl that he won, or the players he played with, but his speed. And so that's always an asset um, to have speed. Uh, so, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't think the Patriots had a horrible draft. Um, I, I think Belichick saw someone in Cole Strange out of Chattanooga that he liked, and maybe that turns into something. I don't know. It's hard to tell. Uh, the thing that I do like about the draft, Connor, and I'm sure you share the same opinion, is you get all these players and they're taken in the first round and everybody, you know, you just you think they're they're going to be the next big thing. And it's it's so interesting just to sit there and think a lot of these people will probably see the field once or twice and then they'll just be distant memories. Like it, it just it, it happens every year in the draft. And then you look at further down the line at later rounds, people who were picked in the fifth or sixth round and they can turn into superstars. I mean, you never know with the draft yeah, who is going to go out, go into the NFL and who is going to compete and who's going to make the star out of themselves and, and really capitalize on the opportunity. Whereas, you know, who, who's going to have everything that they could imagine coming into it and lose it all in the NFL because of bad performance or whatever it may be. Uh, so that's, that's really interesting sitting there and, and, and thinking, you know, not everybody here is going to be a superstar, but I'm sure there are some unexpected ones that, that may become uh, superstars, but really, yeah, the Malik Willis thing for me, 
was really surprising. Um, I don't I don't think many people thought Tennessee was going to take a quarterback, uh, but here here we are. He is uh, he is now a Tennessee Titan, uh, taken in the third round. Very surprising. What about you, Connor? Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, Sean, I think my, my huge takeaway from this draft is that the, you know how I've always said that teams just can't help themselves when it comes to that quarterback position, where it just it, it, constantly it's it's. Washington, you know, taking Dwayne Haskins when there were some, you know, feelings of, hey, is this guy really, you know, is this guy really ready 100%? Um, you know, the the people, the, you know, the Panthers taking Will Greer early and, and him not really panning out. It's, it's you know, I, I, Trey Lance, what does he become? Um, the, the 49ers give up a lot of capital, move up and get him, and there's already reports of, hey, I don't know if this guy's ready. Um it's every year there's always just a quarterback that's just overdrafted. It's just simple as that. They, they can't keep it together. There's always so much excitement at that quarterback position, and, and teams just overtalk themselves into guys that just simply aren't ready. And it didn't happen this year. It, it, it didn't really seem to happen this year. Um, whether you think Kenny Pickett's the best quarterback in this draft, sure, that's up for debate. I think he really couldn't go to a better situation in Pittsburgh with the Steelers at 20. And look, they need one. They need a quarterback. They didn't give Mitch Trubisky too much money, so you're not tied down there. So Kenny Pickett can learn behind him and maybe become something cool. Great. And I think Mike Tomlin is, is the best guy to, to probably coach that dude up. Other than that, I think Malik Willis in round three was unbelievable value. I think one of the best picks in this draft, I, spoiler alert, I, I think Washington didn't have a great draft, to be honest with you. I, I didn't like what Washington did. Um, I thought Jahan Dotson, I, I, I've talked myself into him uh, as I've gotten further away from this draft, just kind of looking back on it. And, um, you know, I think he can be a good good player. And, and look, you went receiver there, and that's, that's all I wanted um, in the first round. And you traded back. You traded back with the Saints. You got an extra pick. Great. That's, that's fantastic. Um, you know, you want more picks and you want to get positions of need. And Washington did both of those. Um, I just think they hit a single here. I don't think they swung for the fences. Um, I think when the Saints, when the phone was ringing there at 11 and the Saints called to trade up, I, I would have, if you gave me $100, Sean, I would have put $100 and then 10 extra dollars on the fact they were going to get up to get a quarterback and they take a receiver that I think Washington was about to take. Um, so mm-hmm. I think that they were caught a little flat footed. Uh, I think when they traded back, uh, they were they made a bet that they would have receivers there and they just didn't. Um, so they're going to tell you Jahan Dotson was their number one or the guy they loved on the board or hey they always wanted this guy. Um, the answer and the truth is that they didn't. Um, they were hoping that Chris Olave would fall or Garrett Wilson would fall or Drake London would be there, um, and none of them were. They were all gone very quickly. It was shocking that the Saints traded up to go get Chris Olave there, um, and so they ended up going with Jahan Dotson, who I I think is going to be a good. Receiver. I don't think he's going to be great. I think he's going to be a solid receiver. Um, but he just doesn't really excite a lot of people. I could be wrong. Again, I'm, I'm openly telling you I'm the one who told you that Terry McLaurin would be a special teams player and nothing more than that. And that guy's a star receiver. So it's just it, like you said, Sean, it's really hard to know. I mean, you, you just that's what the draft is every year. You just you don't know. And you do your best at grading these guys. But it's really, really hard to know. Um, in round two, taking Fedarian Mathis, a defensive tackle, I thought was frustrating. I, I didn't like that pick at all. I, I, you know, I think Fedarian Mathis could be a good player. I don't think he's going to be an elite player. I don't think he's going to be a great player. I think he'll be good. But, you know, you take a defensive tackle there because you, you, you've, you know, you haven't retained two defensive tackles that hit free agency and signed with other teams. And Deron Payne, you're about to let walk in free agency next year. So you're kind of an arsenic firefighter there. You're putting out your own fire. 
by taking you know somebody in the second round. That's a that's a valuable pick. And then Brian Robinson, you take a running back there in three. It's it's not that I think these guys aren't going to be good. I just I'm not quite sure they did a great job. With that being said, their round five pick was my favorite pick in this entire draft. It's my favorite pick in the entire draft, and it's single handedly just to do with value. Sam Howell falling to to round five is is crazy. It's crazy, and, and I think Washington just had no choice but to snag that guy up. Do I think Sam Howell is NFL ready? Right now, absolutely not. Do I think he's you know former or you know a future star in the making? I I have no indication to believe that. But just to think about this time, three hundred and sixty-five days ago, that guy was the projected. People talked about him as being the projected. I think he was odds-on favorite to be the first overall pick, and to get him at round five, uh, where I think he took a big step backwards, um, you know, his last year in, in North Carolina. Um, to get him around five is fantastic, and I think he can learn behind Carson Wentz, and I, I do think that, that you know, that's a guy that can compete. And if he can show you something, it's a fifth-round pick. You know, it's, what, what can you say about it? It's a fifth-round pick. Um, other than that, I think my biggest takeaway from this draft had to just been the fact that teams just kept it together. Um, when it came to the quarterback position, they didn't overjump, they didn't bite, um, and I think you didn't get any game stoppers. I think Trayvon Walker has got a lot of upside, um, I think Aiden Hutchinson is going to be a really good player. I don't think he's going to be elite by any stretch. I don't think he's a 16-sack kind of guy. He's probably like an 11- or 12-sack guy. I don't think he's a he's an elite pass rusher. I think he's a good one. Um, but I feel that way for most of these guys. I think there, there's a lot of really good players here. Kyle Hamilton falling to the Ravens you know, is a great pick. That's a great pick. Trent McDuffie at 21 to the Chiefs, that's another great pick. Um, it really is. Uh, but Devin Lloyd is a great linebacker from Utah. He fell back to the Jaguars at 27. That's, that's great. That's awesome. Um, but it didn't really excite me as much as previous drafts. Um, and that's kind of my big takeaway from the draft. Um, but we, we'll definitely uh, get into a couple other picks as they, as they pan out. But I don't know. Those are, those are my kind of immediate takeaways. Um, the other thing I wanted to touch up on before we get to our next story um, I need to get your your reaction on the AJ Brown trade because um, that happened so quick. And I know there's another trade we can get into with Marquise Brown going to the Cardinals, um, but I want to get your take on that AJ Brown trade, um, on kind of how quickly that played out, and and just kind of how quickly the the AJ Brown went from I need a new contract and now I'm an Eagle. Um, what did you think of that? <laughs> yeah, well, you mentioned quick. Um, I think it was it, it was on. The night of the first round, right? Yeah, it was. If I'm not it, mistaken. It, it, it was. Yeah. It was. It was. It basically came out right as the Titans were getting on the clock. Um, that's when they took Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. And it's funny because he's another big guy, 6'3", 225, big receiver. Plays a little different than mm-hmm. A.J. Brown, obviously, but another big receiver. Yeah, you know, A.J. Brown was injured last year for a lot of the season. Um, obviously, Julio Jones didn't work out up there. They... They had a tough season, the Titans, and I think that they're ready to kind of move on from those veteran wide receivers and get, like you said, draft some people, get some younger guys in there, get some people who haven't had injuries yet. Uh, now, is A.J. Brown still an elite wide receiver in the NFL? Absolutely. I, I mean, the, the Philadelphia Eagles just got better because they have A.J. Brown. That is unquestionable. 
that that is a big win for the Eagles. Um, but no, I, I was really surprised by it. I'm I'm really really surprised at how quickly this happened. I know that there were contract issues, like you mentioned, and, and some negotiations going on there. Uh, but I, you know, maybe Tennessee jumped the gun a little. Maybe they released him a little too soon. But my feeling is that they want to get some younger players in there who weren't injured the previous season and, and don't have those battle scars uh, to the amount that AJ Brown does. What do you think? Right. No, I, I, I totally agree. The, the one thing about this that I think is important for, I, I think it's something that these athletes don't take into consideration as much. And I, I would caution guys like it's, I've said this about Debo Samuel too. I always caution these guys when they're like, listen, I want to get paid. I don't care where. If they're not going to pay me here, I'm out of here. I get it. I support athletes going and getting paid because the reality is there is a small window for you to do so. There's two aspects of this trade that I think we need to keep keep tabs on. One, and it's just a question. Do you think the Titans started a trend here? Do you think the Titans started a trend of, I'm not going to pay these guys, these big, these young diva receivers. Now, when you say divas and, you know, guys who just, you know, want to get back in line and get new money as soon as possible all the time. Do you think that they're like, listen, we're not going to pay you. We'll just go get Trey Lombarks and we'll move on and, and go get somebody else. And we'll just keep this cycle going. Like, kind of, could this start the trend of the receiver position that the running back position has kind of evolved into? Because there's going to come a point where, you know, we, we talk about with the, with the quarterback position where Patrick Mahomes signs basically a, a, you know, a $500 million massive contract and Josh Allen signs a 300 and whatever million dollar contract, just huge contracts. Like at what point do people say, listen, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to give you a third of the salary cap, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, or whatever percentage, a quarter of the salary cap. I'm just going to continue drafting well and getting good young guys and, and paying them on the cheap. And then when their time comes yep. to get the money back, they go do it somewhere else. That's my first question about this. And the second thing is I'd always caution these guys to I'd say the same thing. Like I said, Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, the I'm going to just run and chase the money and forget the context of where I'm coming from. Because while the A.J. Brown trade is a big win for the Eagles, I, I 100% believe that. The reason I'm still skeptical about this has nothing to do with A.J. Brown. Now, there are concerns with him. He can't stay healthy, right? There's, there's concerns with his health. But Jalen Hurts is your quarterback, dude. Like, I'm sorry, Jalen Hurts is your quarterback. Like, I, I've seen no indication to believe that Jalen Hurts is, is going to be thrown for 4,500 yards. I, I don't I, – Jalen Hurts has not looked great. Devontae Smith had a, had a pretty good rookie year. Not a great one. Pretty good rookie year. And those are going to be two fantastic receivers, Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. And look, maybe those guys come in and, and Jalen Hurts elevates his game because of that. But understand that Tennessee is just a better organization. Tennessee is a, is, is a well-run, well-oiled machine, and, and they're a team that is perennially showing up in the playoffs. Again, they were the top team in the AFC. Whatever context you want to give them, whatever asterisks you want to put there, and I know they really just, just yacked all over themselves when they got the chance at home. Um you know, in the playoffs last year, but you know, you just wonder how much damage is this going to do if, if this doesn't pan out. If AJ Brown goes up there and gets hurt, and Jalen Hurts doesn't doesn't do very well, and all of a sudden, you know, the Eagles are looking at new quarterbacks this time next off season, and AJ Brown is coming off of a down year, and then you start to wonder, okay, wait, you know, how much of this? You know, I'm always cautious of these guys jumping ship too early. 
where it's like San Francisco. San Francisco is a well-run organization. Like Debo Samuel needs to not be so eager to get out of there and to go get paid by the Lions or go get paid by, you know, the Jaguars, the Jets, right? Yeah. Understand that there's context there where maybe if you invest one more year in Tennessee, and maybe instead of, of jumping onto the hot pile of, hey, Debo Samuel's looking for money. Hey, Terry McCorn's going to have to get paid. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw my hat in here. Devontae Adams just got a lot of money. I, wanna, I want that kind of money. Give it another year. Give it another year and, and wait for the market to reset itself. I don't know. I just feel like guys don't, don't think the long game. They think the short game. I they th- think in the long run. I'm not sure if that benefits them. Yeah, I see what you mean. You're, you're basically saying that if you are a good player and a good team – you're going to be valued as a good player because you're on a good team. But if you go to a bad team, you can lose your value really quickly. Very quickly. Like really, really quickly. Le'Veon Bell. Look how that that worked out for Le'Veon Bell. He was so eager to get out of a great situation in Pittsburgh uh, Mm -hmm. and, you know, went to the Jets and got paid. And look how that worked out. Uh, Yep. So – this could very well turn into a situation where A.J. Brown, yeah, he's going to get the big money on this contract, but come time to renew a contract or is, go is elsewhere. he costing himself money on the back end? Yeah. Exactly, because he didn't produce in Philadelphia. That, that's a really good point and something to uh, look into. And just uh, just going through his stats, I mean, last year, compared to 2020 and 2019, where he had over 1,000 yards in each of those seasons, last year he only had 869 yards, averaging just 13.8 uh per catch only 63 receptions five touchdowns i know he was injured for a while um but yeah i mean you, you can just see out his stat line that his numbers just declined in 2021 yeah, big time and he and, and because again injury yeah injuries. he's he, he's injured he was injured i had him on my fantasy team and i was constantly dealing with <laughs> the questionable every sunday he had some sort of injury situation going on mm-hmm. and you know the eagles are are you know that that could come to backfire on them he's a great receiver do not get me wrong. And I'm not even sure whose side I take on this. Is it the Titans? Is it A.J. Brown? All I think it's just important to have that context in there and wonder, are these guys costing themselves in the long run for chasing the money in the short run? I think there's, a, there's an even game to play there. Kirk Cousins did it here in Washington where he said, listen, I'm not going to sit here and demand a new contract. You want to slap a franchise tag on me? Cool. We'll do that all day long. Um, and I'll play the market. And I'll get paid. And Kirk Cousins has done nothing but get paid. I think he's earned almost two hundred million dollars in his in his uh, NFL career. <laughs> and he and by the way, he signed a one year deal again, thirty five million, fully guaranteed. He's up for another contract next year. Like, there's ways to play this, and I think these guys get in and over their skis a little bit um, when it comes to this contract stuff. But that's going to be interesting mm-hmm. um, to look into um, going forward. I definitely want to talk about that with you, Shawnee. Um, do we have time for both of these stories, or do you want me to pick one and save one for next time? We have Ryan Tannehill's comments, which I definitely want to talk about. And then Chris Ballard had something to say, the GM for the Colts, about Carson Wentz that I think is, is it's interesting. I'm going to say, Commanders fans, if you, if you hear those comments, you might believe in Carson Wentz a little bit more. Sean, do you want to do both? Do you want to do one or the other? What, what do you think are our, our, our uh, let's do Let's here. do Ryan Tannehill, and then we'll tease the Commanders fans let's for next that. time. Or Thursday. It'll be Love Thursday. It. We'll get you another episode on Thursday. Don't, Thursday. It won't be too long, guys. Done deal. Fantastic. Um, that is fantastic. So let's get into this Ryan Tannehill stuff, because this, I think, merits a bigger discussion, which I see both sides on. Um, but I, I do want to talk about this. Um, this is from Sports Illustrated. So Titans quarterback Ryan Tannehill caused some furrowed brows across the NFL on Tuesday when he said it wasn't his job to mentor Tennessee's rookie quarterback Malik Willis. On Wednesday, players and veterans throughout the league weighed in on the matter. Um, 
here's what Tannehill said. He said, we're competing against each other. We're watching the same tape. We're doing the same drills. I don't think it's my job to mentor him. But if he learns from me along the way, then that's a great thing. Tannehill also said he thought it would be great if Willis learned from him while working together along the way. But sentiment was that uh, he was less than eager to take the rookie understudy under his wing. Um, and that struck a chord with other players. So there were this obviously set a fire to social media and, and there were arguments on both sides, which honestly, like I, I think appealed. I mean, both sides appealed to me. Um, but I am I am going to pick a side here, Shawnee. So you can choose who, who goes first on this matter. You can. Do you want to go first, or, or do you want me to? Give I'll go it? first. I, I want. Yeah. Go ahead. Give it to me. Here's my take. It's real simple. Football is a team sport. When you sign to a team, you are expected to help your teammates. This is not helping your teammate. This is not helping the team win. You are disrespecting a teammate and disrespecting the idea that the that the Tennessee Titans and the ownership and the coach and the GM had down there to bring on a new quarterback. It is a team sport. You win, you lose as a team. And this is really comments like this. If Malik Willis is on the roster and he is the number two quarterback comments like this are going to come back and bite you. If Ryan Tannehill gets hurt and the Tennessee Titans start losing with Malik Willis, everybody will circle back to this and say Tannehill, you didn't want to help this guy out. Now look at where we are. We, we had a chance at the playoffs. You get hurt. Malik Willis is our quarterback, and we're not winning with him. Now, is it entirely Tannehill's fault? No. Malik Willis is a rookie. We know how rookies perform in the league. But it is a team sport. You have to do everything you can, regardless of who they draft, what you think about them, what your personal beef is with them, whether or not you think they're going to replace you, you have to help them because you are part of a team. They are not the Tennessee Ryan Tannehills. They are the Tennessee Titans. That, that's my take on it. What do you think? Yeah, no, so I think yeah, I, I agree with that. I do agree with that. Uh, my bigger thing in this is I said this at the time with Joe Flacco, um, which drove me insane when they drafted Lamar Jackson. Joe Flacco did something similar where he said, yeah, it's not my job to coach this guy. Um, stop being a jerk, right? Like, like, don't be a jerk. Like, listen, and I was hearing arguments of on social media of, hey, what if this happened in your job? You know, like, Sean, what, what if somebody, you, if your employer came to you and said, hey, I want you to take this guy into your wing. He's, he's going to eventually take over your job eventually when, when you're just, you know, we move on from you next year. Um, and people said, hey, what if that happened in your job? What would you say? Um, and I would say, that's not my job. That's not what happens in my job. And, and sometimes it does. Sometimes it happens in our professional careers. Um, but this quarterback position in the NFL, there's a shelf life. I'm sorry. There's a shelf life. There, there's an understanding mm-hmm. that when you're in sports, you're, you're not the quarterback for 35 years on a team. You're not. You're, you're, you know, unless your name is Brady, comma, Tom, you're not with the team for 35 years. Uh, this is also relationships business. It, it's not. Uh, what are you doing? Like, well, why are you saying this? If you feel this way, these are certain things, and, and I'm all for athletes giving their professional an honest opinion. We want them to give honest opinions. We, when we ask them questions, when they're with the media, when they're on a podcast, when they're talking post game, we want them to be honest. We don't want, you know, the the running their mouth, uh, the coach speak, or, or you know, the basic lines that are memorized in press conferences. We want them to be honest. We want them to show their human side because that, that's what makes sports great. These are things that even if you feel this way, lie, dude. 
lie. Why are you saying this in public? There is no aspect of this quote that is going to help you or your team in any capacity. The only thing it does is hurt. That's the only thing it does. It hurts your relationship with the guy. It hurts your uh, image. I, I look to guys like Alex Smith in this case. When I when the first person I thought about when I saw this comment from Ryan Tannehill was, dude, this has happened to Alex Smith every single place he went. He was in San Francisco, and after a while, it was they draft Colin Kaepernick. He goes to Kansas City, and it's Patrick Mahomes. He comes to Washington, and it's Dwayne Caskins. It, it was endless with him. Everywhere he went, his replacement was right behind him. And all he did, have you ever heard, Sean, have you ever heard anyone say anything bad about Alex Smith? Never. Like the first thing that everyone says about Alex Smith is, hey, that, uh, Patrick Mahomes owes the better part of the start of his career to Alex Smith. And I'm not the one saying that. He said that. Look it up. Like uh, Patrick Mahomes literally owes the start of his career and his success in the NFL. He owes a lot of that. He said that to Alex Smith and the way that he helped him and the way that he was adjusting. Look, when you're in this business, when you're in the NFL, when you're a player, you got to start thinking next steps. This is the same thing I just said about A.J. Brown, where it's like, don't play the short game. Don't play the petty short game where, hey, I'm, I'm not in the business of helping this guy out. Um, yeah, you are, dude. If this guy helps your team win, if this guy, if this guy succeeds and you're a part of his success, do you think other people are not watching that? Do you think other teams are not saying, hey, this guy could be a quarterback's coach. Hey, this guy could be an offensive coordinator. Hey, this guy could be a GM. This guy could be a front office dude. Like, all this stuff matters. And I know some people could be rolling their eyes when I say that. This stuff matters, right? It's what we say in your professional life when you're at work. If a young kid starts or if somebody starts, um, you know, and in in you're with their company and, and some new guy comes in, help them out. Why? You never know where that new guy is. You never know where that new guy is going. You don't know whether that comes back and helps you out because that new guy could hopscotch you and take you with him to another company. Look, I am a firm believer in that stuff. I'm a real firm believer in that stuff. So it always rubs me the wrong way when I see that because Ryan Tannehill has been in the league for a while. He's had some great success in his career. Um, And clearly he's on the back nine. And clearly, you know, the Titans are are eventually going to move on from him. They can't right now because they paid him a lot of money and they cannot get out from that contract this year. But understand that that's, this, is, that's, this is the nature of the business. This is what you signed up for. This is what, this is what it is. So and, don't And be you know jerk. what, Connor? It doesn't, it, it, this isn't just at the NFL level. This is at the college level right. and the high school level. You yeah. train your replacement when you play football. You do. If you're a senior you're right. in college, you know... I'm done after this year. I've got to help the junior or the sophomore or the freshman, whatever it is, be the next quarterback because it's a team sport, and that's what you do in team sports. Same even, in high school. I wouldn't even go as far as to say that it is Ryan Tannehill's job. That's the one thing. I mean, if I said that at this point, I, 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 I don't think I said that. But if I did say that, I'd retract it and say, I don't think it's Ryan Tannehill's job to coach this kid. I don't think it's his job for him to succeed. It's not. It's his job to be a good teammate. It's his job well, yeah. to understand the context in where you're at. To understand, hey, um, I'm not going to be into whether this guy was drafted or not. This guy won't be in Tennessee next year. They're looking for a quarterback. He, he did not play well in the playoffs. He didn't play well for the. I think the stats hide a little bit of Ryan Tannehill's shortcomings last year. Tennessee is looking for an EQB no matter what. No matter what he said, if this guy said, I'm donating my entire paycheck to Malik Willis, it doesn't matter. 
This guy's moving on next year. Your job is just to not be a jerk. Your job is to be a good teammate. And if you can, if you can walk and chew gum where you're succeeding and he's succeeding, great. But if you, if you hate the kid, if the kid does not like you and you all have a bad relationship, I would still go as far as to say lie. Go up to the podium and say, yep, honestly, we're going to be competing, but I'm, I'm excited for this young guy. I'm excited for this kid. I'm, I'm excited to try to help him out. And whatever I can do to make his transition to NFL easy, let's do it. See, just like that. What I just said is what Ryan Tannehill should have said. And we're not having this discussion. But guys like Ryan Tannehill who say that and Joe Flacco who said that about Lamar Jackson, just look at what Cam Newton said about Will Greer. Look at what Alex Smith has done his entire career. You know, look at, look at these guys. Like Robert Griffin could not stop looking over his shoulder with Kirk Cousins. He could not stop looking over his shoulder at Kirk Cousins. And it's just, it, it was terrible. It's like Robert Griffin III was the second overall pick. And he could not get out of his head that the Shanahan's drafted another quarterback. By the way, in like round four, it's just like, it's like, dude, uh, like if a fourth round pick is bothering you, there's a problem here. For, for, for Ryan Tannehill, if a third-round pick is bothering you here, a guy from Liberty, if he's bothering you that much, that's a problem. So, you know, <laughs> it's just like, you know, I, I've seen way too many examples of quarterbacks who are able to be to walk and chew gum, be competitive, work, uh, and be good teammates. And it's like it's not hard. That's, those are not mutually exclusive things. And, I, and I, I thought that the way Ryan Tannehill handled it was just, it was in bad taste. It was in bad taste. And I know so many athletes are like, it's not their job. He's got to look out for himself. You're right. You do have to look out for yourself. Also, in the process of looking out for yourself, don't have to be a jerk. You can be helpful. Again, the, I, I just, I'm tired of the black and white society we live in where it's all one thing or the other. You can walk and chew gum. Both things can be true. Um, and I just, I was, I was kind of disappointed with that. I was like, it just, it, it's frustrating when I read that because he's not the first and he won't be the last quarterback to say that. I just don't think it has to be that way. Yeah. You, uh, you bring up some good points there, Connor. Now I know I got to let you go so that you can watch some, uh, hockey here. No, it's seven Oh eight, baby. Puck it drop is. is coming I know. Up here. We'll, uh, we'll get to that commander story and Carson Wentz and all that stuff out in Indianapolis next week. We will. Uh, so, or, or next episode, which yeah, is next this episode. week. We're, we're going to get you two episodes. So let's, let's paint the picture a little bit, Shawnee. Thursday, we're going to get an episode out for Friday, which is going to be an NFL schedule release episode. So we'll dive into the schedule as it's released. Um, and we're going to get into all the fun matchups. Now, I know the schedule release, I think people talk themselves into it being as exciting as it is. By Thursday morning, we're basically going to know the entire schedule um, because just basically starting tonight, moving on, you're just going to get leaks of what games are when, and you just kind of have to put the pieces together. Um, but we're going to get that out for you on Friday. And like I said, we'll get to that Chris Ballard thing because all I'm going to say is Chris, Chris Ballard and the Colts just can't seem to stop talking about Carson Wentz, which makes you wonder, hmm, was this all Carson Wentz's fault? That's all I'm going to say. Was it all Carson Wentz's fault? I wrote an article for fansided.com. I'll put the link um, in the bio of this episode so you guys can read it and you guys can hate it or love it, whatever you want. But it's a little precursor to um, why I think Carson Wentz might we might be we might be a little bit too critical on his arrival in D.C. and how much of a good fit it's going to be. So we'll get into all of that on Thursday. But um, Shawnee, is there anything else I'm missing? That's it, man. Go enjoy some hockey. Let's go do it. Let's go Caps, baby. Anybody in the D.C. area, get your head on. Let's get it going. Caps, uh, yeah, puck drop here in just a little bit, Shawnee. So uh, we will get to that. But on Thursday, we will be back. Well, I guess Friday we'll be back. Um, But until then, um, you all behave yourselves. We will see you all on Friday. And as always, I will catch you guys on the other side. (laughs) 